Hey, I'm Ashley Lemieux, and I'm here to help you uncover the greatest power in your life. You! After going on my own healing journey, I realized I was looking for the wrong thing, a way out. But I didn't need a way out. What I really needed was a way in, to fully uncover who I am. Each week I'll be sharing tangible tools and inspiring interviews to help you create a clear pathway forward in areas of your life that you might feel stuck or overwhelmed in. I'm not here to be the expert on your life. You are. What I want is to help you believe that. So get ready to reframe your thoughts, reimagine your future, and reclaim your power. Are you ready? I am. You guys, we are in for the biggest treat ever because we have Kimberly Schlappman here um, from Little Big Town. She is, I want to tell you, how I feel about Kimberly, because I know you you can see what she does out in the world, but I've been listening to Kimberly's music. I, I mean, it's been a really long time. And so I've loved you from that aspect of things forever. And then this past um, Christmas, she wrote a book called A Dolly for Christmas. And I read it and it became my niece and nephew's favorite book ever. Like we were reading it all through Christmas. But from that, what I learned a lot more about Kimberly that I hadn't known before. We're going to talk about some of those things tonight. But one of those things is that she's gone through a lot in her life that has led to her adoption of her baby named Dolly. She's not a baby anymore. But um, I, I think, and I want to preface everything we talk about tonight by saying this, because I think that we can see these people out in the world who are so successful. You're a Grammy award-winning music artist. You, you're such a bright light for so many people. And also you've walked through such hard moments in your life that have led you here that is so inspiring to me and I know so inspiring to other people and I'm just so excited for everyone to hear a little bit more about your story and 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 what has created you um into the woman you are so Kimberly thank you so much for joining us tonight Ashley, it is my absolute pleasure. And what I'm so excited about is I know every person listening has had challenges and wants to feel better and rise above their circumstances. And your book, I mean, it's like a step-by-step -step guide for how to pull yourself out of the depths and get back on the road. And it's just, oh, I'm so happy. Really, I've been so excited about this moment. And as I'm watching what the women are saying and they're so excited to be here, I'm, I'm just so grateful for what you've done for all of us and I mean it. Thank you so much. That means, that means a lot. And I, you know, I reached out to Kimberly and I was like, this is one of those moments where she could say yes to join. She could say no and both are fine, but it's one of those moments where if she says yes, I know that our kickoff night for the book tour is gonna freaking rock. So thank you for saying yes. And um, I'm actually gonna pull it up so that I can see everyone's comments too. There we go. Um, <laughs> Because you guys, because of the times that we are in, normally right now we'd be in an in-person book tour and I'd be squeezing you and hugging you like last time. And you would probably be, I actually just saw today that you just announced you guys are going back on tour in September. 
Yes, finally, we're going back on the road. Yes, normally I would probably be, I could even be in Phoenix, Arizona tonight. I don't know. I don't know where I was supposed to be, but none of that actually happened. But yeah, we're going back on tour in September and we're so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. I saw that and I was, that just felt like this breath of joy. I was like, yes, things are starting to happen in person again. Um, yes, yes. But since it's not happening yet, and I was thinking, how can we connect? I, this feels really important that we connect over the words in this book and we can go through this together. And I just have to thank all of you for helping launch. I am here out into the world all last week. There have been thousands and thousands and thousands of copies of I Am Here purchased that you guys are purchasing not only for yourselves, but for your friends, and your family and for your sisters and your neighbors and, and the people in your life who you know just need extra support right now. And it honestly feels like the biggest honor and privilege that you trust me in these words to walk alongside of you in your journey and then to give them to your friends. So thank you for helping this book reached the women who need it because it couldn't do it without you. So tonight, let's get started because we only have Kimberly for short amount of time. Tonight we're going to be talking about chapter one and if you haven't read chapter one yet it's totally okay. We're not going to give any spoilers but the, the whole reason I wrote this book actually I was doing an interview a couple weeks ago and, and the interviewer asked me Ashley what are, what are some stories what are some things that you hope the reader walks away with learning about you from your book and I, I was like well no that's not actually why I wrote the book. I hope that nobody walks away learning anything about me. I, I don't want you knowing, learning anything new about me, but I hope that they walk away learning more about who they are and more about their power and more about their bravery and their courage and, and more tools that, are, that they can have and hold that can remind them who they are. That's what I hope. And that's why I wrote, I am here. And chapter one is really important to me because I feel like it's, the same theme that runs throughout the whole book of what do we do when we feel powerless in our lives? What do we do when we feel powerless because of decisions of other people or because of outside circumstances or because we feel like our voice isn't heard? And as, as that thought has replayed in my mind over and over throughout my life of, I feel so powerless, no one's listening, I don't know what to do. I started reframing it and I, one time started thinking, what if I'm not powerless? What if I'm brave? What if it's not powerlessness? What if it's bravery? What if all of us are so brave that we choose to keep showing up in a world, even though we have broken hearts, even though we've let, been let down before, even though our dreams that we once had look different now, how brave we are to keep showing up. And that's what Kimberly has been an amazing example of, of, of showing up. So Kimberly, I would love to start way back <laughs> when you first started Little Big Town and what that was like finding your power in this very male dominated music industry to get your voice heard. What was that like? 
Yeah, that that was a lot back then. We've been a band for over 20 years, and I grew up in a small town. I was a shy little girl, very meek, very to myself, very happy because I had an amazing childhood. My parents were incredible, but I was a very shy child. And I and I learned, as it says in your book, we learn as little girls that we we should be nice and kind and keep our feelings and our opinions to ourselves. <laughs> and so that's how I grew up, and that that's the life that I lived. And then as we formed our band, uh, my I went to school with Karen, my bandmate. We went to college together. So we've been friends for such a long time. And then we, we teamed up with the two guys, Jimmy and Philip. But as we dove into our career, you know, it, it was obvious that the powers that be weren't necessarily ready to listen to what the women had to say. Um, and so... At, you know, when you're in the when you're in the industry, you play the game, you have to play along a little, you know, a little bit, especially we were so new. And so we just listened to what everyone else told us that we should be and and how we should sing and, and what songs we should, you know, be singing. But as we grew as a band and as we matured as a band, we became we began to use our voices more, not just our singing voices, of course, but our voices that we're realizing exactly who we were and that we did have things we wanted to talk about or in songs and content we wanted to focus on and, and messages that we wanted to relay. And, and so as we've gotten on into the band, Karen and I have really found our voice there. And, and you're right that country music, especially these days is very male dominated. And I love those boys so much. They're all good friends of mine and I love their music. But over the past many years, there hasn't been that many female voices on country radio. And so it's been a, it's been a tough hill to climb as of late, but we're pushing through. And, and what's great about the Nashville community and you know, because you've lived here, it's just so unique in country music. Everybody really, almost everybody really is friendly and really does pull for each other. And so, you know, when when we're struggling to, to make a point, people will get behind us and, and push us on. And also there's just been a, a fire in this town. A flame has been lit and the women are on fire and um, and it's changing. And so it's taken a long time, but we're, we're coming on. We're coming on strong. <laughs> I love, I love it so much. You guys actually, maybe it was two years ago now, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you released a song called The Daughters. Yeah. Okay. If you have not heard the song The Daughters yet, you need to go listen to it because it's, it, <laughs> as I was listening, I've been listening to it a lot recently because I'm like, I feel like this is just everything in my heart in song form. And I love it so much, but something that you say in it is, is that you dream to, for a woman to dream for everyone, but herself. Mm. Yep. Was there a time in your life where you remember having this turn, turning point of feeling like my voice is important too, my dreams are important too, and I'm going to go after them? Was there a moment for you or is that always how you've been and so you've just pressed forward through that no i haven't always been that way i like i said i grew up really shy and meek and it took me a long time to realize that my voice was was um valid and that i had a i had every right to express my opinions and how i felt and 
um, just as a as a southern woman, you know, we 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 rub everything down with sugar. <laughs> so it it did take me a long time, but I think as I realized that I was beginning to have an influence on other women. First of all, when I lost my husband, uh, my first husband, I found myself in the years or the months after that. I found myself talking to a lot of widows, and if you're in that club, you know that well no matter if you're a widow or if you're infertile or or you know whatever you're if you've been on the you know a road of so many miscarriages whatever your struggle is you want to talk to someone who has walked in your shoes and i found that that when i became a widow i only wanted to talk to people who had walked in my shoes and then in in the months to come in the years to come new widows wanted to talk to me because i made it through that wretched hell on earth. That's just the only way to put it. And um, so that's, I think that's really when I began to realize, hmm, it's okay for me to speak out. It's okay for me to empower other women. It's okay to share my story because it can help someone else. And that's like you, Ashley, your story has helped so many women. If everybody out there could shout hallelujah, it would, it would fill, it would fill a stadium because we, we are so grateful that you've shared your story. There are so many women who have gone through what you've gone through. And it is such a gift that you're speaking out for women because you know, we need you. Thank you. I, I love that point that you just made of, I was really afraid to use my voice or I, I, I was shy. Cause I was, I was really shy growing up too. That's why I'm a writer because I would go home and I would throw, <laughs> I would throw my little diary after not talking all day at school and write and throw it under my bed. And that's why I love writing. And, but what you said, what I heard you say was, it was when you realized that your voice and, and the power you bring can also positively help other women yeah. that you were like, hey, I'm, I'm going to step into this. I'm going to uncover this a little bit more. And that was the same for me. And I think that's so beautiful that sometimes it's almost like the permission we need <laughs> is to see the good and the impact that we can have, but we have to unleash ourselves first. We have to allow ourselves to get to that point. And thank you for bringing up Stephen, your first husband, because I, I would love to hear more about him and your, your journey of healing and, and walking forward through that, because I just know that loss is so hard and loss of the people you love feels impossible. Yeah. After you lost Steven, well, you know, and I, I'm going to correct myself because I hate that term. I don't feel like we, we don't lose the people that we love. They just are somewhere else for right now. So after yeah. he physically left, what did that next step look like for you? Well, of course, in the moment, that's that's not anything any of us ever planned for. We planned when we marry to have children and build a family and live for 60 years with the person that we married. That's what I planned for. For one, all those I was married 14 years. We tried the whole time to have children. That never happened. And so I didn't plan for that. I didn't plan it that way. I planned to have I planned to have five kiddos. And then I, I planned to live with him for the rest of my life, and and I didn't. And it came to a very sudden end. I wasn't prepared for it. I, I didn't know it was coming. And so, of course, in the initial time, it was just shock. I was numb. I was 
completely broken and devastated and, and my world stopped spinning. I mean, it totally stopped spinning. Everyone else's world kept going, but anyone who's gone through that kind of grief, you know, your world stops. And that's what happened. But my family is just incredible. They love me so much and they, they've lifted me up. And my bandmates, they literally carried me. Jimmy and Philip sometimes literally physically carried me through the next time because I couldn't walk on my own. But as the days went along and, you know, people say, time heals. Well, time passes and there is healing that comes and you never ever are cured of that grief. But I think it's good that we're never healed completely and cured of that grief because it's part of our story and it's part of our heart and it, 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 it's our scars and our scars. I feel with my whole heart that the, that the reason we go through hard pain and, and devastation is because, well, we don't know all of it, but for some of the reasons, it's because we can help others who are about to walk through that and let them know you can put one foot in front of the other. You can keep breathing. When, when we were burying my husband, my daddy had his arm around me and he said, baby, just breathe. And I, I, we can keep breathing. I will never forget that moment. We can keep getting out of bed in the morning because there we have, we have a purpose. We have a responsibility to lead others through what we have gone through and, and proven that we can make it. And, and the pain never completely goes away. But like I said earlier, I think it's important that it doesn't go away because we can always, always help the next person who's about to be in those shoes. When I experienced this deep pain for really the first time after we lost our older two kids at first, and I don't know if this was the same for you, I wanted to run away from it. Like I, it felt so overwhelming and soul crushing and suffocating truly it was a full body experience where there would be times where I would be gasping, like screaming for air. I could not breathe. And so in my mind, in order, I think to cope or to tell myself I could survive and, and keep living somehow in that moment, I kept telling myself, well, if I could outrun this, then I'm going to be okay. If I can run faster than my pain, if I can book my work schedule more. If we can, we sold everything we owned. We moved to Nashville. If we can get away, if we can, if we can do these things, if, if I can self, you know, pacify with filling my body and soul up with things that don't actually serve me, but can distract me for a while, then I can outrun it and I'll be okay. What I've learned is that the freedom in my life has come when I stopped trying to run away from pain. And instead, I, I call pain a, a, a woman. I literally I have a painting in my office of a woman who, to me, is the embodiment of grief and pain. And she looks loving, but, but, but it's heavy. But I picture her. And, and I, so now I speak out loud and I say, pain, what is it that you are trying to teach me? Because then I give myself permission to sit with it, not in it for too long where it where it buries me for the rest of my life and I'm just stuck in it, but to sit with it and learn so that I can know what it is that I need to take with me. And so once, 
once I reframed that, and that took a while, that took, I mean, that took a while because at first, how you were describing, when something happens that you don't expect, you're in shock and you're just trying to navigate what this new world means and looks like and, and how you're supposed to exist in it anymore. And you're given these new lenses where everything looks and feels different. Yeah. That's why I think then we are called and invited and able to show up for people differently because once you go through that, nothing ever looks the same. And so yeah, people like never look the same and you're able to connect with them on a different level than if you didn't have those lenses. And so I always talk to my husband, Mike, about this and say the greatest things that I feel like I have the privilege of knowing and experiencing in my life are also the things that I wish never happened. Mm -hmm. I, and they're, but they're both the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I feel like pain, what I've learned is that pain was never meant to destroy us. It was never meant to stop us. It was never meant to, to, to drag us and bury us. But instead, I think that pain is a really, really hard, but beautiful invitation yeah. to learn a little bit more about who we are. Yeah. What, what are some of the things I would love to know this from you after you after Stephen passed away, what are some of those things that pain taught you that you still hold on to now? The quote, and I'm sorry, I can't recall who said it, but there's a quote that says, God, please let me laugh again, but never, ever, ever let me forget how I cried. And I love, I love, love, love that quote. I think it, oh, I think it's, it just preaches to me. For me, the, the greatest, um, I guess you can call this a tangible thing that I, I struggled with was touch. I so, and you can, I'm sure identify with this. I just wanted to touch him. I missed, I, I just wanted to touch him one more time. And I, as a matter of fact, I thought this was incredible, um, incredible, uh, what's the word? Advice. I went to a grief counselor and she told me, start getting massages because when we touch each other, we have a chemical in our brain, oxytocin that is released. And when you lose someone that you love so dearly that you're very close to, we, be we become depleted of oxytocin. And so my therapist encouraged me to start getting massages. And so I did. And so that skin on skin, the human touch of skin on skin, it releases is a feel-good hormone in our brain so I did a lot of that and I think that you know helped me start putting one step in front of the other just just the little bit of feeling better but the touch was really really hard for me the the plans all those plans I made for a perfect life together that was really really hard to come to terms with that my plans were blown to smithereens that none of them were happening anymore. And, and at that point in my life, I couldn't even see past. I couldn't imagine myself loving again. I couldn't imagine myself having children. I couldn't imagine just having any sort of life because what I, all I had planned for had just been slipped, just pulled completely out from under me. So the plans that I had made were another thing that I, I really struggled with that, you know, those dreams would not come true. I feel like grief takes on those two parts where you grieve and you're missing this person that you love so much. And 
you also have to grieve the loss of the life that you thought you would have together and figure out what does rebuilding look like. And you just made such a beautiful and powerful statement when you said that you didn't, you didn't think you could love again. You didn't think you didn't know how you were going to move forward. And why that's so powerful is because your life right now is totally different from that first thought. So what happened? What can you tell? Like, I, I think that this is such, this is the, this is the part of life that I love. And it's so simple. It's the word. And the word and has got me through so much. It's the grief and the joy. It's the loss and the love. It's the, it's the detriment and the hope and, and, and it's all together. And, and your life now has that and of joy and love and life and light. And so walk us through, like, where are you right now? And how did you get there? I'm telling you, I, I, I have experienced just full restoration. That's, that's mm -hmm. the only word that I can think of when I was deep in my grief and, you know, that kind of grief just doesn't go away. It hangs on and hangs on and hangs on. Um, eventually, you know, all my friends were calling me and checking up on me at that time. They were just calling me all the time. Everybody was so worried about me, understandably. And um, everybody was just you know, making sure I was okay all the time. And, and one of my friends named Steve Schlappman, um, he was an old friend of mine. He was our stage manager on a tour way back when we first got started. And everybody always loved Steve Schlappman. Um, and he never got married. And we all wondered why in the world Steve Schlappman never get married. <laughs> and and um, so he was, he was one who, one of my friends who just called me all the time to check on me. And then I just, I jokingly say he never stopped Colin. <laughs> Everybody else went on and he never stopped. <laughs> but um, eventually we, we, you know, he, he began to, to pull me out of this huge black dark hole that I never really even wanted to get out of. I didn't want to move on. I didn't want to, I, 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 in my head, it was like, I'll be leaving my, my other Steve behind. I don't want to move on, but that's not the case at all. I have to tell you this. So, so we fell in love. He pulled me out of this awful hole and, um, and I began to love again, something I've never planned on. And then we, we got married and I am so sure in my heart that my Steve up in heaven said to God, you've got to give her for her wedding gift, what she has always wanted. She has always wanted a baby. We got to give this to her. And lo and behold, we got pregnant on our honeymoon. <laughs> so I so believe, and I've been told by so many doctors, I was never going to get pregnant ever, ever, ever. And so I, I so believe in my heart. That was my wedding gift from heaven, from my other Steve. He said, we got to make her a mama. And so he, he, I got pregnant miraculously on our honeymoon. So that's, that's how that happened. And that, and that was my Daisy. And then Daisy, when she was four, she began to pray for a baby. And you, you know, our story from our, our little book, she began to pray for a baby. And for so many years, she, for five years, five years. Yeah. For five years, she prayed every night for a baby. Literally, I would sit at her bedside and she would ask God for a baby. And so finally, that's another thing. You can't give up on your 
on your dreams. You cannot give up because you never know where the miracle's coming from and when it's going to come. That that's something I have I have learned, you know, by just living my life one day at a time, I've realized, wow, I just have to hang on because you just don't know where the miracle's coming from. And then little Dolly, we, we suddenly got a call. I mean, suddenly got a call about little Dolly. Um, she had just been born. And, and so now I have two baby girls and an incredible husband and, and, my life is not perfect. We have, you know, we, we, we have all the stuff any other family does. We're very normal, but, but I have a beautiful life and I've been fully restored. And, and I, I just, anyone out there who's suffering and in pain and feeling like you can't get up in the morning because you don't want to go another day. I'm here to tell you, you can make it, you can make it to that next day. I've been there. And also another thing that we went through that was just wretched was that my husband's brother was killed by a drunk driver a few years ago. And so that's another just bit of huge grief our family has been through, but God is good. And, and, and we have made it through that. And, and his daughter, um, my, my sweet niece, Rachel has, has made it through and you just have to hang on because there are miracles and there is, there is healing and restoration and goodness. You're such a light of what it looks like when you hold on. And as I listen to you share your life and, and what it has looked like, it's never been, it's never been, oh, this thing happened and then everything was great after that. It's no, this hard thing happened and I start kept moving forward and this thing happened. This like, it, <laughs> we're, we're never exempt from pain. Mm -hmm. um, but we're also not exempt from joy either. And, yeah. and your life is such a testament to that. Something I want to go back to that I heard you say that I resonated with so much. And I know that there's a lot of other women who probably really feel it deeply too, is that during the time when Steve was lifting you up from the loss of your first husband, you said, I didn't think I used something to the effect of, I didn't think I could move forward, but I didn't want to, like, I, I wanted to stay where I was. It, did healing feel scary? Did like, I think this is so important because I feel like we, when we are in the midst of the thing that is bearing us, we don't want to feel it anymore, but it's also really scary to not feel it anymore. It's also really scary to figure out what healing looks like and what rebuilding of our life is going to look like. It requires a lot of work, which I think we know, but I also think that there's parts of us that want to hold on to the past because we deeply and desperately want to keep what once was with us and so instead of carrying it gently and lovingly with us i have found myself at times almost chaining myself to the past like life is trying to move forward but i am chained to the past that i've locked and threw away my own key on so what when you were in that moment was it time that helped lessen that were there things that you did to say hey okay i don't want to do this right now but here's what i'm going to do what did that moment what did that and it wasn't a moment it was it was a lot of time what did that time period in your life look like for you because i feel like right here is this messy part of our life that 
it's really hard to talk about and really hard to find the tools on, okay, well, what can I do when I'm feeling like this? Yeah, I, I think that's incredibly important. I didn't want to leave that big black dark hole because that's where my memories were. That's where everything I had known was. That's where my husband was. And I didn't want to get out of there. I wanted to feel better because I was miserable, but I was afraid. I was afraid to climb out because I was afraid that would mean leaving all that behind. But what I learned is that it came with me and that I, I could feel better and I could get better, but he's still here. He's still here with me and all the memories are still here with me. I didn't leave him behind. I didn't leave the, those memories behind. They're still here. They're right here. Um, and they'll never, ever, ever go away. And it's okay. It's okay to, I hate the word move on. I hate that phrase. Because so, oh, it's awful. So many people said to me, you got to move on. It's time to move on. You got, you know, you got to move on with your life. No, I don't. That's what I want to say. No, I don't. I don't want to move. I'm not going to move on because I don't want to. That's how I felt. And that's totally normal and totally okay. But when you do, instead of move on, when you put one foot and step in front of the other and you got to, you, nobody else can do that. You got to do it yourself. When you force yourself to take steps in the direction where you see healing or you see light, that's all coming with you. You're not leaving it behind. My my Steve in heaven, I think about him almost, I mean, I think about him every day. And I, I talk to him still. And all our memories and, and pictures in my mind are still there. I did not leave them. That is so wise, everything that you just said, because I hate, one of the things that I hate more than anything also is that phrase, it's moving on. And I, in my head, I I think of it as, moving forward that I get yeah. to take those pieces with me as we all move forward together and something that I actually talk about this a lot and I am here of asking the question what can I set down today what can I let go of today the, those painful parts that keep us chained don't have to come with us as we move forward we can choose what comes with us and what I love about life and the experiences that we're given, even if it's just for a moment that we get to have those people and experiences in our lives is that they are literally a part of us forever. And I think that that's something that we forget when we're in pain and, and we, there's a chapter in my book called, and this is the best way I know how to put it, which is why I'm bringing it up right now. But the chapter is called, what if it's not fear? What if it's love? Yes. And after, we lost our older two kids. I was so afraid. I was so afraid of if they were okay, if I'm ever going to see them again, if they know I love them, if all of these things, the fears were making me really sick. And one day I realized, what if it's not just fear? What if it's love? What if my love for them is actually the thing that is bigger than anything else. And what if I can focus on that to help me keep moving forward? And as I did that, I realized that the one thing we're all afraid of losing is love. 
Mm. And it's the yeah. one thing that we cannot lose because yeah. once we've experienced it, once it's a part of our lives, once we share it with the people we love, it's with us forever. And so for me, it felt so freeing to know that no matter what happens, the one thing that I'm afraid of losing the most, which is love, isn't actually going anywhere. Mm-mm. It's not, it gets to come That's, with us. Yes. And that was such a healing experience and and learning for me as I am on my own journey forward um that's beautiful beautifully said yes and I feel like I should say this also I feel like I should say you know I I kind of uh, sassily said that people were telling me to move on and that's because that's all they knew to do they just wanted me to feel better they wanted me to get better and in their their minds me moving on would make that happen. So I know that they all meant well, you know, everybody, everybody means well, because they love us and they just want us to be better. Yes. And now also when you're, we talk about this a lot on Instagram of things that, that you can say to help your friends who are going through a hard time that feel supportive instead of maybe the things that we fall back on because we don't know what else to say, which saying something is better than nothing. And so that's great, but I I think I totally just lost my train of thought of where I was going with that. You were I was I was saying that people always say move on because they mean well. Yeah, oh yeah. They mean well. But now as you've been gifted this new lens, like you were talking about going back to the very beginning where you started realizing your power and your voice was important once you started seeing that it was impacting other people now with the new lens that life has given us all we're able to show up for people differently because we know differently now and so that part of all of our hard experiences of life i think is such a gift okay you talked about you you had your miracle baby and then you had your second miracle baby through the form of adoption And again, in that in between, though, there were a lot of years of heartache and loss. Yes. Yeah. Seven years, seven Seven years. years. Now, there were nine years. There's nine years in between my girls, but we didn't start trying to have another baby until Daisy was two. So for seven years, we tried everything medically possible. I I had been told, like I said before, that I couldn't have a baby. So I knew it wasn't going to be easy. So when we started trying, you know, we, 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 we sought out medical advice and all and the medicines and the, you know, the shots and the, all the things, all the things. So exhausting. Oh, it's so exhausting. It makes you crazy in so many ways, <laughs> as you know. And and we had several losses. And every time, you know, I, I got, honestly, I got a little less hopeful every time, but yet I still had a little bit of hope left in me that this could work. And then I had my, my Daisy literally kneeling by her bed every night and praying for a baby. So I had to have hope. I had to have hope for her sake because she so desperately wanted a sibling, but yeah, there, you know, I, 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 sometimes I might appear to live a glamorous life and, you know, a lot of people appear to live a glamorous life, but you just don't have any idea what's going on at home and um, at home as happy as we were to have sweet, precious little Daisy, 
because of her wishes, we wanted another one so badly. And there was there was a lot of pain here because it was not happening. And when it did happen, it didn't last. And that's really painful. And that's just another way that I have learned to use my voice. There are so many women and men who go through infertility and loss of, of babies. And it it is it is devastating. And I've found that I need to share my story because it's my responsibility now. So yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot in between those two girls. There was a lot of pain. How did you, in those moments, I know that Daisy helped give you hope and like cling on to that hope. Was there anything else? I, I, I guess I would love for you to talk to the women right now who feel like they are in that moment of feeling like they don't have a lot of hope left. What is it that yeah. you would tell them right now as if they were sitting, because they, they are sitting right in front of you, but if they were one-on-one -on -one <laughs> in front of you, what would you tell them right now? I would tell them that that we you know we can't see into the future. We don't know what's to come and we cannot give up because I'm telling you our little Dolly was a complete surprise. We were in the adoption. We had we had gone through everything medically we could do with my body and we had failed miserably. And so we decided we I always wanted to adopt a child. So it was it was an easy next step for me and my husband. So we had started the adoption process and we, we had just gotten approved and had been told we would probably wait about two years for a baby. And all of a sudden there's another miracle that just happened. We get a call about a baby girl who needs a family. And it's just, I, I, I just can't believe how how the blessings just come when we least expect them. And you just, I just want you to know out there, no matter, no matter how much loss you've had or how much disappointment you've had, hang in there because I believe with all my heart, if, if you have the desire to be a mother in, in some, some way or form, that's going to come to you because God knows the desires of our heart and he wants to, he wants us to be fulfilled and you just can't give up because you don't know when it's coming. It's coming. It's going to come. You just don't know when or where or how, but hang on. Cause it's coming. Thank you. Hang on and look for the miracle. Kimberly. <laughs> yes. Are, oh my gosh. You are absolutely phenomenal. I think it would be fun for our last 10 minutes together. How do you feel if we open it up for a little Q and A? Yeah. That feel fun? Okay. I love that. I okay. have to tell you my favorite. I have to tell you my favorite though. I've made, I had to make a couple of notes about my favorite part of this chapter. Here's my favorite sentence. I think this is right, if I remember correctly. Bravery is when you show up in a scary world as your true self. I didn't do that for so many, many, many mm. years. I was scared to be my true self, but I have finally become brave. And your book is making me braver. <laughs> I, I, you sent it to me a few months ago, so I had already read it. But this weekend, I went down to see my mama in Georgia. So I ordered it on Audible and I listened to it again. And I mean, it, it's just, it's so good. I felt like I got braver by the hour as I was driving. <laughs> Thank you, Alberta. That means, that honestly means everything to me. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for just more women to, to become 
the braver that's inside of them that they're searching yes. for too, because I feel like as we, and as we keep talking about this right now, go to the little Q and A box at the bottom. It says Q and A. And if you have a question you want us to answer live, we're going to do just a, a few questions for a few minutes. Um, but go leave it down there in the Q and A box because then I can see them all. But I think that so many answers that we're seeking for in our lives are right smack in the middle of the hard stuff that we're trying to escape from. Yes. And I, for me, when I've gone through painful moments in my life, my immediate reaction is to distract myself to, to, I feel pain. I want to be distracted. Yeah. But I feel like stillness, these still moments where we can have conversations where we can sit in it just for a moment is an invitation for us to find a path forward. And I think that that requires a lot of bravery. And so everyone who's yep. here tonight sitting with us in this moment, reading this book, going, going through what you're going through every day to keep moving forward. It is so freaking brave of you to keep showing up even when it's hard. I just, and, and that's something that you should be so proud of for yourself. Okay. We're going to do a couple questions. Let me read through these really quick. Okay. This one's from Haley for Kimberly. Kimberly, what was the thing that inspired you to speak up for yourself and what you wanted to do? Probably related to the music industry. What, what was like, was there one thing that inspired you to speak up for yourself? Um, I would say, well, you know what? I think it's important. I think community is important for women. I mean, men too, but I'll, I'll talk to the women right now. I think community is really important. And when we, when we come alongside each other as women and support each other, I think that is just priceless and incredibly important. And so I gained a lot of my bravery from my bandmate, Karen. Karen is a strong, is, is naturally stronger than me. So, um, you know, I, I kind of, rode her, her coattails for a while, <laughs> finding my own strength. And as she was strong, I was like, yeah, I can be strong too. And so I think it's just important that we realize that there may be someone who we need to nudge along and, and give them courage enough to find their, um, their bravery. But I, I attribute a lot of my bravery to my bandmate, Karen, and my just dear sister. She, she's, she's given me a lot of courage. Okay. I love this question from Hannah. If there was one thing you could say to yourself while you were in the middle of the pain, what would it be? Mm. Mm. One day you will be fully restored. Hang on. Mine would be actually similar, um, but it's your story isn't over yet. I think we end our stories too soon. We, we end the story of our life while we're still in the middle of it. At least I do. It's like, this is the end. Yeah, this is, it. this is over. It's done. My life yeah. is in shambles. But it's yeah. like I'm I'm still in the middle. It's not over yet. And and what I do know, not to spoil the ending for anyone, but I think in the end everything's going to be okay. And I don't say yeah. that to 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 minimize any feelings right now because I know we we both know what it feels like to be in the middle. But I do yeah. think that at some point it is going to be okay. And so we can't 
and the story before it's over. Oh, I love that, Ashley. That makes me think of my 13-year-old who has had some disappointment mm -hmm. lately in her life. And I look at her as her mom from back here, much, much older than she is, and I go, baby, you gotta, you gotta hang on. Your story, like you say, your story's not over. This is not the end. This is not, this does not define the rest of your life. And that's probably what our life is saying to us back here. Don't, don't stop now. This story keeps going for a long time. I've never thought about that. But but as I'm saying that to my daughter, literally earlier today, baby, this is not this is not the whole story here. Um, that's you know, that we should look at ourselves that way too. You're so right. Okay. Oh my gosh. This is such a good question from Virginia. I find myself here in this space and I especially did after uh, losing our kids. But Virginia says, Ashley, um, I find it so hard to enjoy what I have because of the losses I have experienced. How do I enjoy without the fear of losing? Mm. Something that I have felt is that once you feel the fear, the pain, and how low that can take you, it also magnifies the joy that you feel. So then when the joy comes, especially in the beginning for me, I was terrified of feeling the joy because in my mind, I knew what happened when the joy goes away. I, I knew how far the drop was. I knew yeah. the despair at the bottom that it felt. And so anytime I would feel joy, I would get, it was almost like my body was trying to protect me because it wanted me to be okay if something didn't work out. So this might sound really silly, but hey, I do things all the time just to help me keep moving forward. So I'm gonna offer this tool to you, <laughs> is that fear for me has become a physical response. It's like our bodies are just trying to keep us safe. So in these moments where good things are happening in my life, but I'm starting to feel afraid, I literally wrap my arms around my body and I say, thank you for trying to protect me right now, but it's okay. I'm mm. safe. Mm. And that's a practice that I have to keep doing. I did it daily for a very long time, especially when I was right in the middle of everything, because I had to relearn that I was safe, that my fear was actually trying to protect me and that it was okay to feel joy. Camelia, is there anything that you've done in that aspect of your life i i, I think that that's a, i'm gonna i'm gonna do that probably later tonight because <laughs> so good <laughs> because i do think that i think that when you have gone through great loss you're right you're it magnifies your fear oh my word i can come up i can go through every scenario in the book with my husband with my children oh but also and you said it magnifies the joy Oh, and it magnifies the gratitude. I think we are just so grateful then for what we have now. Ashley, I don't do anything nearly as good as that. I can't, I can't think of it. Are anything. you kidding me? You that do is, all of that. That is so good. I'm taking that with me. <laughs> I'm <gonna> hug you. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're going to do one more question. This one's been asked I'm, as I'm scrolling through. This one's been asked a lot in a lot of different forms. Um, but a lot of people want to know, how can we help our friends who are going through grief? What's the best way that we can show up for them? I'll let you go first on this one. I'll just speak from experience. You know, and all of us grieve differently, 
I wanted to talk about my grief. I wanted to talk about my husband and the things that I remembered and the, the stories that I wanted people to know about him. Um, it was really important to me to talk about him. A lot of people don't feel that way. A lot of people don't grieve that way. So I think if you, if it's your friend, you know how your friend wants to grieve. And I think just being there, don't, don't push them. Like earlier when I said people were telling me to move on because they meant well, don't push them, you know, encourage your friends to, to keep going, but, but also allow them to sit in their grief because sometimes even, even if they, if it's been a while, sometimes you have to go back and you have to sit there and fall apart and in the falling apart, eventually you'll come back together and, and you'll be a little bit farther down the road. But I think it's really, really important to have the support of friends, but also that the friends understand um, that it's okay if you slip back a little bit, you know, it's like two steps forward, one step back. That's how grief is. Holy cow. Yeah. Or two steps forward, five steps back and be patient, be patient and just don't push, don't push them to, to, to move on, encourage them. Just don't push them. That's so good. And I, I kind of goes along with what I want to say of having someone to just sit there in it with you yeah, and not try to fix it because you can't fix yes. it. I think we want to fix it because we don't want the, to see the people we love in pain, but there's nothing we can yep. do to fix it. And so just letting them know that, Hey, I'm here for however long this takes, I am in this with you. That's been something that's been really supportive to me. Um, that's that's so good Kimberly you are a force of good and light and I'm just so grateful that you joined us tonight thank you so so much I want to do a little picture before we end is that okay, okay. Here? yes yes okay this we'll do our little little zoom picture there we go um <laughs> You guys. Okay. So Kimberly, can you tell them where to get your book? Because her book is amazing. And also about your tour coming up because yeah. I, I keep telling Mike, I'm like the first thing, the first thing I want to do, I want to go to a concert. Like I want to feel the music. I want to sit there. Like there's just something about, I can't sing. I have not a musical bone in my body but I, I connect with it and appreciate it so much that that's been one of the biggest things I've missed this past year is going to concerts because we would go all the time. So tell us, well, tell us how to connect with you. <laughs> well, we're so excited to get back to work. Oh my word. It's been so long. Um, you can go to littlebigtown.com. Our tour dates are there and we want y'all to come out. We're going to, it's yes. going to be the best tour we have ever, ever, ever done. And Ashley, you and Mike pick out a show you want to come to and let me know and we'll set you up. Oh my gosh. Okay. I am literally there. So great. <laughs> Thank and you. And my book, um, Adali, uh, my book, A Dolly for Christmas, it's on Amazon now and Barnes and Noble and those things. And at Christmas time, it'll be back out everywhere. Um, it's a Target um, online. It's probably not in the stores anymore because it's a Christmas book. But um, it's everywhere online, I think, still. Um, and I, I, I'm so happy to have been able to chat with you tonight. Thank you for letting me be a part of this amazing, amazing journey on your book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the support. And um you guys as you end tonight i just want you to know thank you for being here thank you for doing this work with us i can't wait to see you next week i'm so proud of you for opting in to this 
and actively actively allowing yourself to be here in your life no matter what's going on so as you leave tonight go listen to the daughters by little big town to like end your i feel like that's the perfect wrap up of everything we talked about tonight um i love you guys thank you so much kimberly thank you so much ashley Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the I Am Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from you online. So if there's something that really resonated with you, come and let me know. Share a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at Ashley K. Lemieux so I can see what's impacting you the most. It might even help your friends. And remember, every time you ask yourself, am I really strong enough to do this? The answer is, I am. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.